This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. And hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Keith Williams. Welcome to How Great God Is, where we deal with uh, spiritual topics. And um, um, normally we, you know, do a lot of preaching, teaching on different topics. Uh, but today we have a guest with us today. Uh, first of all, I just want to wish everyone a happy new year and hope that uh, and pray that uh, 2023 will be uh, a year of spiritual awakening and spiritual maturity um, as you grow in your walk with Christ. And so today we have uh, Regan uh, Forston with us today as our guest. Uh, certainly thank you for uh, being uh, a part of this program, the, the first of the new year. Sure. Um, so first of all, tell everybody who you are. Um, okay, give you a <laughs> short background here. Uh, I. Uh, I've um, had quite a, a varied uh, life as far as um, um, kind of where God's led me <laughs> in my walk. Um, I, you know, in my early uh, life, I was a real estate broker when I was in my early 20s, even had a real estate company when I was 24 years old. And um, for some reason, <laughs> when I was 28, I, uh, I let my, my father take over the company and I became a professional clown <laughs> of all things. I went from being a broker to a clown and uh, ended up doing about 4,000 children's birthday parties. And that turned into me being a, a corporate comedian um, as a ventriloquist. And, um, uh, and that led to me, you know, I ended up doing these big company corporate uh, events all over the country from some of the biggest uh, corporations in America. And I, I did roasts where I would write about their product and service and and uh, poke fun at what they did. And that was kind of a niche for a while. And then I became a fake motivational speaker um, where companies would have hire me to come in as, a, uh, as an expert on some sort of topic related to their company. But it was just a joke on the, uh, on the employees, you know, uh, kind of thing. And, that, uh, and then uh, in 2008, the uh, market fell out of, uh, uh, you know, with the, the dot com or not the dot com bus, but the, the other big one, that mortgage problem, you know, that we had in America here uh, it, where everything went topsy turvy. And uh, so I went back to school and I was going to become a stage hypnotist uh, because um, uh, when the market fell out, <clears throat> I'd usually, you know, before that I would get like $5,000 a show to go in and do a, an hour comedy show and I was doing lots of them, making good money. But after that uh, 2008 fiasco that we had financially, I was uh, I was lucky to get hired anymore because companies weren't <clears throat> spending that kind of money, you know, anymore on entertainers. So I went back to college. I thought I uh, I went to hypnotherapy college because I thought I could become a stage hypnotist because there were still bookings for them. I could do nightclubs or something and do the same show every week for a year, you know, just with different people, and it would work out. But when I found out how the mind works and how easily it is to program the mind, in other words, if you have uh, bad habits or, <clears throat> or things, or you have 
post-traumatic stress or have whatever, and you get a person in a deep state of hypnosis, you can actually talk to the subconscious. It's almost like a second person, but you can uh, reprogram a person. And so at that point, I decided that God wanted me to help people with their problems and not make them quack like ducks <laughs> for comedy, you know? So uh, then, uh, <clears throat> then I uh, uh, actually, just before that, I'd moved to Hollywood. I did, uh, I think I was in about 37 movies, short and independent films where I had some good roles. Uh, <clears throat> moved to Mexico for a while. Um, after that, when I was gonna retire a little bit, but then my mom got sick. So I came back to America. And uh, uh, in that time, I met a, a beautiful, woman who's my partner now for the last eight years. Um, <clears throat> so um, anyway, became a hypnotherapist and um, I started, uh, you know, helping people with their issues. And um, it was a job that I just loved, you know, I mean, uh, boy, <clears throat> when you're sitting next to people and they have gone through some of the, the most horrific uh, things of abuse and violence and things in their life, um, it uh, takes a lot out of you, even being a therapist, to be, you know, hearing this kind of thing all day long, you know, and, uh, um, but I loved it. Um, so it was, it's funny that the way I felt God kind of led me, I was here, I was a clown for a while, you know, getting to experience that part of the world with uh, love through humor and laughter. And then all of a sudden I'm dumped into this hearing the worst that happens of humanity with all of my clients, because most of my clients had PTSD from one sort or another. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, quite an awakening, you know, having to kind of see the world in its entirety, you know, with the good and the bad, you know. Uh, so um, <clears throat> I was uh, uh, I was on an airplane, my, my significant other, uh, Patricia, uh, for my birthday was taking me to Hawaii. And I got on the plane, I started getting sick and so sick that she took me to the hospital. Uh, when we got off the plane, she made me go to the emergency room and uh, uh, they took x-rays. They thought I had stage four cancer <laughs> of all things, flew me, airlifted me to Hawaii, to uh, Honolulu uh, where they had a specialist. And it ended up being that I had a, uh, I had something called, uh, I had something called Valley Fever. Um, the big long, the name of it medically is like 20 miles long, but uh, it's just a spore that's in the air that if you breathe it in in California, mostly in the valley where you get a lot of, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it, it's just like when the wind comes along and blows the dust and if, if you're just breathing down, going down the highway, breathe in the spore of this gets in your lungs and and if you're over 60, a lot of there's a lot of fatalities uh, on what it does. Anyway, I spent two months in in uh, in the hospital, and um, during that time, I, for some reason, that came to me. All of a sudden, I remembered a book that I read back in 1995. It was called Journey of Souls, uh, and um, when I read the book, this was a book by uh, by Michael Newton. He was a, a hypnotherapist just like me. And when he had somebody, he was helping them with an issue that they had, they were in deep hypnosis. He, uh, it was time for them to come out of hypnosis and the person refused and says, no, I don't want to come out of hypnosis. And he said, why? And the person said, because I want to go home. I want to see my friends. And the, the, Michael Newton was like, he says, well, you know, I'm going to wake you up. You're going to go home and see your friends. He said, no, I want to see my friends. So then Michael just said, well, 
take me to your friends. All of a sudden, this person there was happy and like, wow, he's seeing all these people and that, that. And come to find out, he was on the other side in heaven. And um, uh, so when he came back, Michael was like shocked, like because he didn't believe in this kind of stuff. He was um, not quite an atheist, more of an agnostic in his in his life. Um, but he was an inquisitive person. So he proceeded then with 7,000 people to get them in a deep state of relaxation or trance, as we call it, where you're, it's that, um, it's that feeling that you have just before you fall asleep. You're just really, really relaxed. And all of these 7,000 people would um, meet their guide, their angel or wh whatever. Um, and in full consciousness, like this is, it's an interesting thing, this trance state, because you're, you're totally aware that the facilitator sitting next to you, <clears throat> but yet on the, on the other screen, it's like have two screens, one here and one there. And um, in the 7,000 cases, he pretty much mapped out what happens when we die, where we go and what we do while we're there. <laughs> and he was uh, in his, uh, he was getting in his late seventies, he knew he was getting older and he knew he had figured out all this and how to do, do this with people because he found out almost anybody could do it. And um, he started the foundation or institute, the Newton Institute, which I'm part of now. So, so far we've trained 250 of us and we're scattered in 46 countries and we're continuing the research that he started. He passed away about seven years ago. It was uh, just the year before I, uh, six years I've been, uh, uh, I've been uh, a facilitator with the Newton Institute. So us 250, what we do with this process we have where we get people really, really relaxed. We have them uh, fill out a list of questions that they would wanna ask when they're on the other side. It's this whole process, it's like, you know, you read people that have near-death experiences, you know, where they, they see the, the light and angels and, and that sort of thing. Uh, this is the same thing, uh, except we found a way to do it without you having to almost die, <laughs> you know? So we found out it's a natural ability that we all have because it's about 90% successful. Um, so we have people from, you know, we're, we're religion neutral, you know, we figure every person, every person finds their truth. Um, and we're just uh, researchers doing this work and just, just saying that this process, which um, is, uh, we're so successful at, now we've just passed 70,000 people, you know, that have had this experience. And uh, I'm one of them. <laughs> I got before I became a, a the therapist, I got to go through the process so I could see what other people would be going through if I became a facilitator. So um, in a in the in the training, I was able to have a facilitator be next to me. They put me in. I got to a really deep, relaxed state uh, and had the the experience. Uh, I wrote a book. Actually, is published now called Three Hours. 33 minutes in heaven. And um, it's about my personal experience and what happened to me on the other side. Um, <clears throat> well, when I went through this life-changing process, um, uh, then it took me about a year to get certified <clears throat> because you have to do so many cases, um, and, you know, going through the process, prove you know how to do it correctly. Uh, and then they certify you. <clears throat> and um, so it kind of came out of retirement and I'm having the time of my life uh, as I sit next to people is I help them to get into this deeply relaxed state. It's like the monks used to do when they're, you know, uh, when they would cloister and do their long meditations. Um, <clears throat> you know, they would 
himself. I know in some of the Christian books, you, you read about the, the different saints that had these, uh, I guess you would call out of body, what they would say experiences like St. Teresa of Avila. She would go so deep into prayer. She would put herself into that into that state and she would find herself in the presence, direct presence of Jesus. And uh, uh, Jesus would tell her, um, give her her next assignment. Like she was to start a nunnery here in Spain, you know, or a nunnery there. And um, uh, the, the books or her writings survived. And they're actually, if you, it's, there's a lot, there's a several St. Teresa's, but this is St. Teresa of Avila. And she was right at the time of the inquisition. And so um, luckily, she was friends with some of the higher ups, so she didn't get uh, executed for, you know, because in that time, if you had those kind of experiences, they would think you were, um, you know, something satanic or something like that. But her writings survived and they were published. And she just talks about this way of praying that you get so deep that you actually can transcend your physical body and, you know, have conversations with, uh, with Jesus. Same with St. John of the Cross, St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, they all had <clears throat> writings and talked about this deep state of prayer. Well, <clears throat> what we found out is to get people into that state. That's what we, we do at the Newton Institute. And um, um, I have had, I have people uh, so far, I've had uh, quite a few Christians that have come and have gone through this process, uh, Muslims, um, and uh, had agnostics that didn't believe in God. But after the session, they go, okay. Oh, you got me. There's a, there's an afterlife. There's a God, uh, and um, and just a lot of people that are just spiritual but don't have a particular walk. But of course, I'm here in uh, in America, so most people have some sort of Christian background, or uh, you know, growing up they've been Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Mormon or you know, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and <clears throat> what they find out in this process, like I say, that's mostly successful. Um, because people come to me and they say, oh, I, I can't be hypnotized. And I go, well, hypnosis is a natural state that we go through on and off all day long. They just don't understand what hypnosis is. Um, and we say, well, you're in hypnosis at least two times a day. And one is just as you're falling asleep. And one is just as you're waking up. It's like, you know, it's kind of like when you can, um, you're waking up and you hear something in the other room and you start to realize, oh, I'm waking up, but you're still in that dreamy state, you know, kind of like that. That's the kind of feeling that it is. Um, so um, it's been <laughs> it's been interesting to say the least. Um, to me, it's the best job in the world. Um, takes a lot out of me because sessions sometimes. My average session with clients lasts about five five and a half hours, um, and the first few hours, I'm going over the person's life. I'm getting to know who the cast of characters are in their life's play. Uh, and, um, uh, and then the, um, the next thing that they do is they prepare questions they want to ask. And it's generally about, um, you know, God, please, uh, you, you, you know, elders, I would call them on the other side, uh, ask them questions about, uh, you know, why was I born? What's my mission? You know, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing here that adds to the love of, of the universe of of the world you know what am i supposed to be doing is my part you know in this and they always find out um and most of them find out that they're in the middle of their mission already you know they've been doing it but they just haven't been totally you know totally aware of uh, 
uh, that this is, you know, what their mission was to be. Um, <clears throat> but one thing we found out in the research with these 70,000 people now is we all have an angel or a guide that's uh, assigned to us. Everybody uh, that goes through the process gets to meet that entity that, that I would call more advanced spiritual soul. Um, so to get on a first name basis, which is pretty cool. Um, and, um, and then that guide, <clears throat> we, we ask permission if we can visit the other side and they always say yes. Um, one of the things that people in this life, we call it a life between lives uh, session. And <clears throat> um, uh, in other words, um, uh, it's what you know people do before they decide if they're going to come back again or not. And <clears throat> the thing in the research that we found out is that um, from everybody being on this side and asking these questions is, is it God created us in heaven and we're just down here visiting, you know, so our real home is back home is, is heaven. Um, and people in, in that's one of the things that's common when people are in a deep state of trance, they always refer to it as I want to go home. You know, they refer to it as home, which is very interesting because, you know, we don't tell them what to say or anything. They just come up with that, you know, um, <clears throat> they go back home. And um, uh, there's, um, oh gosh, um, our books that we've published now through the Newton Institute have sold over a million copies already because there's a lot of people out there that are very spiritual, very, very loving people. And they, they wanna know now that <clears throat> we're in this modern time and we've been able to access more uh, truth about God, about religion, about spirituality, um, at least in this research that we feel that we found, and a lot of people are curious, you know, like, you know, um, <clears throat> why, you know, what happens? Why is my life so difficult? You know, um, one of the big things that we've uh, found, Keith, is that um, <clears throat> uh, when a person's in heaven and they decide to be born, um, they decide, like, for instance, Keith, what we would say would be happened to you. You're in, you're in heaven. You're about ready to be born. And you decide how much of your soul self you're going to put in Keith's body. And then um, uh, usually when we ask that, when the people in the state would say, well, how much of your soul self did you put in to your current body? And it's usually about 50, 60 percent, something like that, which means that there's always a lot of you or part of you, your higher self, that's always in uh, always in heaven. Um, and I witness that personally with my clients as they merge with their higher self because we're uh, because I'm asking them questions through this whole thing when they're in trance and what they're experiencing and they're conveying to me and telling me. And all of a sudden they're talking about themselves. It shifts from first person to third person. And it's, it's just, oh, I get goosebumps. And all of a sudden I'll say to that person, I'll say, am I talking to Keith's higher self? And they're like, yeah. And I go, okay. And then we record all these, you know? So when people play it back, <laughs> it's like your higher self is saying, you know, Keith knows what he should be doing, but he's so darn stubborn. You know, he should, he needs to get with this and he needs to get with that, get with the program. And, um, you know, telling people how to eat better, how to forgive people. And, you know, that higher self is there rooting for you. So uh, uh, I am uh, su surprised yeah. by that. I uh, <clears throat> have several things uh, that I want to say, and also have, um, also have a question. Um, sure. So a couple of years ago, um, so a couple of years ago, I had, you know, I was in in the middle of this class, and we have just finished uh, eating lunch, and we're getting ready to do the afternoon session, 
you know, of the class. And all of a sudden, I just like, I blanked out. Yes, I, I, Whoa. I yeah, I just completely, <clears throat> you know, I completely blanked out. And all of a sudden, I became this, uh, I became this mouthpiece, you know, for God. You know, yeah. it was like God was speaking, you know, out of my mouth. It started as, you know, it started as like speaking in tongues. And then mm-hmm. there was actually an interpreter. You know, I could actually hear the person interpreting whatever was coming out of my mouth, you know, but at the same time, you know, I literally was not there. Yeah, it's like you're, you're, it's like, it's almost like it's you and it's something else, you know, that you know, but you, but you, you understand what's going on, but what's coming out of your mouth, there's that other part of you is going, what the heck, where's that coming from? You know, uh, kind of things, kind of, I guess what they would call that channeling or, um, you know, in other words, it's somebody from the other side that wants to use you to get out some information. Um, and um, it's, uh, there's actually on, on, I haven't watched it yet, but I want to watch it tonight on Gaia, G-A-I-A. It's a subscription service you can get through Prime. Uh, and I think it's like eight bucks a month or something. But um, there's a brand new, um, uh, there's a brand new thing called out, it called, it's about channeling. It's about trying to help people understand that this is not something demonic, it's not something bad, but it's a very common thing that's been going through the ages. And certain people like yourself or others that have an open heart or, or this love that they have, sometimes the um, elders from the other side will use you as their mouthpiece in a way to give these beautiful dissertations on love, on things like that. I've had that happen a few times with my clients when they're deep trance, where um, like, <laughs> it was so funny. My first case that I had was a young man from Australia, and his name was Greg, and he's a medium over there. He has a TV show and everything, and he wanted to go through this process. Well, uh, I have my manual that's about that thick of what we do in this process, and so I'm going through. He's I'm I'm getting him in in hypnosis, and I'm nervous because I'm thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to goof this up. What am I going to do? And um, um, he was quickly on the other side, you know, and so he said, Regan, I said, what? He says, I'm already there. And I go, oh, okay. So I had to go page way through <laughs> to get further in the manual uh, there. And so um, his guide, he called him um, Merlin. He says, well, I always called my guide Merlin. He met with him right away and found out that um, he was one of eight other souls on the other side that he called it black ops. They were souls that were so advanced that they chose to come down in this uh, uh, down to earth to uh, in their own, each of the eight people in their own way to try to advance the spirituality of people because the earth's in a little bit of trouble because we all kind of can feel, you know, that there's craziness going on. Well, anyways, going through this and I'm, I'm going through the pages and everything. And, and then Greg and trans says, says Regan, um, Merlin wants to speak with you. And I went, oh my gosh, here's this guide on the other side that wants to speak through him to me. And I says, okay, what does he want to say? And he says, calm down, Regan. <laughs> and we both laughed, you know, because I was so nervous doing this first session. So the guide on the other side was said, it's okay. It's okay, Regan, this is fine. You know, that was a uh, uh, Merlin. Um, other therapists I know they've had, <clears throat> this is kind of far out, but um, at the same time that Michael Newton was doing this research, Dolores Cannon, it's C-A-N-N-O-N, Dolores Cannon was doing the same thing with people, but 
Michael and her didn't know each other until later on. And when they found out they were doing the same research, they found they had the same results. Well, Dolores took uh, a turn. She was doing these sessions, all she's doing speaking. She has 18 books she's written on the, on the subject. And hers, some of her books would describe kind of what's happened to, to you because in, in deep state of uh, hypnosis, she was like over in Europe doing a session. And all of a sudden this other soul was talking through her client. And it was, a, he described himself as an alien, which is interesting. Well, now she's back in America. She has another client going through and that same alien talked through that client to her and end up doing that for dozens and dozens of sessions. And um, it was this um, soul from the other side talking about the alien agenda and what's going on with the visitations we've had and everything. Well, she wrote some books about, she says, look, this is really wild, crazy stuff, but I'm only telling you what happened. But it was real to her because it happened numerous times. It was the same entity that came through different people that was talking through them and giving her, her dissertations on, on, um, on what was going on. So that's it she'll she'll warn you in her books she'll say okay look i don't get mad at me here i'm just a researcher just like me we're just saying this is what happens and she would say this is just you know make of it what you will um but um uh it's 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 you know a little <laughs> she says my books will blow every socket you have and even me when i read her books as much as i believe in the afterlife now know it's real because i've been there um you know, some of these things, I just, my eyes just go, whoa, there's so much more to life and so much more to God than we can even imagine, you know. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that had, now tell me, uh, Keith, when that happened, how long did that go on for before you were all of a sudden, in a sense, back in yourself? Was it just a few minutes or was it a long time? Um, it was maybe... <laughs> anywhere from an hour to two hours, you know, wow. something. it was, it was, you know, pretty, you know, much, you know, a long time. And, you know, I'd opened up my eyes and I looked around, I found out I was, you know, you know, you know, back in the classroom. I was like, what happened? Yeah. And how, how, how did the people respond to what you were talking about? Did anybody happen to record it? Well, um, the, the person that was teaching the class, she actually, uh, she actually wrote everything down. She wrote wow. everything. She wrote everything down. <laughs> you know, she wrote everything down that was, you know, that was said. You know, she was like, you know, the class was like really, you know, they didn't know what to think. Yeah. Uh, they was kind of scared, and she was like, you know, calm down. And let him. Know. They just said, calm down. Let him speak. Yes. Wow. Wow. So tell me what I'm just curious now too. interviewing you. What kind of things did you say? What was the topic about? What was what was the, the highlight of the of the hour or so that you were doing this? Well, basically, you know, so it was basically words of encouragement. You mm -hmm. know, because a lot of people were down, you know, they they felt like they didn't have any direction. You know, yeah. like, so it was like a word of encouragement. It was like, you know, God just, you know, giving them, okay, this is your, this is your purpose. This is your direction that I'm, you know, that I'm giving you. And he mentioned that, you know, through me, you have everything that you need. 
And so now you know what your purpose is. You need to go out and fulfill your purpose. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's interesting too because with my clients, um, when the ones that are Christian, when we have them on the other side, and they're with their guide, um, they get their questions answered. And then I'll always remember to ask the counsel. I'll say, well, this person here is a devout Christian, and I says, is there any way that they could like have a little talk with Jesus? And they always say yes. And oh boy, the hair stands up on my arms as they're having convert. All of a sudden, Jesus is there, and they're 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 having a personal consultation with him, and they're asking him also questions about their life. But um, you know, because some people say <clears throat> people that don't believe that what I'm doing is real, or they think it's some kind of hallucination, or or something, whatever, they quickly go to the oh, it must be the devil, it must be demonic, or something. And I, I quickly, I'll say to us as well, you know, you can believe that if you want, but my people that go through this, the tears that are running down their eyes when they're in the presence of this being Jesus and what he tells them, it's all, it would be all like what's in the Bible. I mean, they, he talks about, because um, uh, <clears throat> what I do when people are, like they say, when the person starts saying, I say, are you with Jesus? And they say, yes. And I say, okay, I'm going to be quiet now for a little bit. I want you to ask yes. Jesus anything you want have a conversation with him. And when you're finished, let me know. And then I'm going to ask you to share because we're going to put it on this recording. So you don't forget it when you wake up, you know, when you come out of trance. So <clears throat> when they're done and I say, okay, what happened? You know, and, um, <clears throat> um, and they just, they just, it's transforming. You know, they said the love that they felt um, and Jesus actually has been consistent so far because generally all the time, what Jesus says to them is, Look, I'm as close as your heart. All you have to do is remember what I look like and remember this thing here and it will help you to get through your issues. You know, to say, look, I'm right here. I'm right here for anybody, you know, that, that wants to, uh, you know, to follow me. Um, so <clears throat> nothing demonic, nothing negative. It's all about them coming back and, um, uh, and becoming a, a better person, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it interesting. Yeah, and here's the thing about that uh, is that, you know, after that experience, the class was, I mean, we was in class, but we couldn't go on with normal, yeah. we couldn't go, go on with normal uh, class activity after, you know, what happened. Um, yeah. You know, we pretty much, you know, spend, you know, you know, you know, I talked about the experience. Uh, I talked about the experience. There was a lot of prayer and meditation uh, that took yeah. place, you know, after that. And I was like, well, you know, you know, I was like, well, how can we go on, you know, with normal activity after, yeah. you know, what happened? You it's know, like they just witnessed a miracle in a sense and you just can't go back to, okay, uh, how's the weather out there? You know, yeah, it's just something that you, you know, cannot go to. One of the problems that I do have, you know, with mm -hmm. that is that there has been a lot of people that, you know, said that they have, you know, had those type of experience, but it's nothing biblical, you know, about it. Uh, are you familiar with the, uh, are you familiar with the Word of Faith movement or the, the so-called prosperity gospel? Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Okay, so you had, so you know, so you have a lot of Christian teachers like Jesse Duplantis and 
you know, Kendall Copeland, you know, they claim that they have these, uh, you know, experiences, but, you know, but whenever it comes out of their mouth, it has nothing to do, you know, it has nothing to do with spirituality. It has nothing to do with Christ. It, it does not line up with the word of God. It just totally, you know, just, you know, out, you know, out of the, yeah. you know, out of the ordinary. And, um, it's, it's nothing with what you and I have, mm-hmm. you know, experience, you know, like, for example, Jesse Duplantis have this idea that, you know, that God needs us. He does not need us. We need him. You know, you know, we need that, uh, you know, we need spiritual guidance. It's not the other way around. And so this this is the stuff, you know, that they teach and are really turned off, you know, really turn off, you know, about that. Uh, but going back to myself, uh, one of the things you have to realize is that you have to be a willing vessel. Yes. You you have you have to be a willing, you know, you know, vessel. It's it's nothing something, it's not something that I promise you, you know, what I've been to is definitely, you know, not made up. It's something that I would never, I would never forget that experience. And uh-huh. it's it, like a wake up, wake up, big wake up call. Huh? Yeah, it was personally, it was a wake up call, mm-hmm. you, you know, for me, because, you know, I came into this facility, um, you know, I was uh, unforgiving of myself. It, you know, it took me a while to forgive myself of some things that I have done. I felt like I was not, you know, loved. You know, I felt like I was alone, you know, and lost. You know, and God was letting me know personally, you know, that I'm still with you. Uh-huh. I'm still with you. I still love you. You still have a purpose. You know, you can come to me for anything. You you have everything that you need to go on this life's, you know, journey. And he wanted to share that with me. He wanted to share that with, you know, whoever else, you know, was in the room. And I can understand that having yeah. experience like that to, you know, other people who are not familiar with that, they, you know, they get scared. You know, you know, I can understand that, especially if you're not a you know, a spiritual person, you know, you know, I can, you know, understand, yeah. you know, the level of, you know, of fear, um, anxiety that, that comes with that. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I can imagine that, but when yeah. you are a willing vessel, you know, you open yourself, you know, to be used, you know, you know, in that way. And, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I fully, you know, you know, fully, you know, understand that. Yeah. And um, a, a lot of what was said was, you know, also, uh, you know, of things to come, you know, what's going to happen, you know, in the future, you know, we call that prophecy. Prophecy, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, confronting things that we have done, you know, or said is about, you know, uh, the prediction of, you know, our future, you know, events. And so, you know, I believe that, you know, at that, you know, sense that I have been called to be a prophet. 
Yeah. Well, if you had that experience, it's uh, and see when when we have these experiences, these spiritual experiences, we can talk to, to it about other people and where other people are coming from. Some of them would say, oh, that has to be that can't be possible that that happened to you or it's just your imagination or something. But what I what I tell them is if you experience it for yourself, that's the only way you can know sometimes what this is, because when you have that experience, it's what your heart felt. It's what you felt. I mean, we know we, we I think, can discern evil from good. And when it's all good and what happens to you and how the love that you kind of feel that's kind of going on in your body you know, you know, that's, that's what we have to go by, you know. Um, when I was um, with my wife, at, uh, I've always been kind of a new ager kind of thing, you know, with spirituality. Uh, when, um, when I was uh, married to um, a really beautiful, loving, and still my good friend, we're not married anymore, but we're very, very close. Um, <clears throat> she had a mission, I would go to her church, it was a very, very beautiful Christian church she went to that was not I don't know, it was not um, what I call, I mean, they were just so accepting and loving and kind in this church. And they had a missionary came in and people were in the audience that had had near death experiences. And one of them, she was in a car crash. And when she had this experience, she found that she was being held by, by Jesus and Jesus was talking to her and holding her and loving her. Well, she wasn't a Christian before that incident happened, but boy, was she afterwards. And she was a devout Christian and in crying, she was crying and she was telling the facilitator, please don't tell me that that experience was demonic. Please don't tell me that, that this Jesus that I met was not real or whatever. And the facilitator said, well, as we go around from church to church to church and we're finding out that a number of people have these experiences. So what they decided, they said, okay, if what happened to you on this other side, if you could take that in a sense, lay it over the Bible. And if it kind of was, you know, if it kind of was, um, uh, you know, uh, biblical in a sense that way, that it was probably good. And if it was an experience where you were asked to do something which wasn't good or which wasn't loving or kind or something, then, you know, it was maybe the negative force that squeezed in there. So, you know, I went, wow, what a good way to look at that. You know, so each person, it's, it's kind of up to us. So this research we're doing, I mean, <clears throat> um, you know, we don't know exactly where it's taking us, but so far with the 70,000, nobody's had a demonic experience. Nobody's had anything but love and kindness. And like um, when I was having the experience, when I came back, I think about it every day. Some, you know, there's not a, a day doesn't go by. Uh, I was above the earth when I was coming back. My guide, his name was Rebazar, which is an interesting name. Um, I was getting close to the earth. I could see the aura of the earth. And I was, I was just telling my guide of saying how beautiful, what a school, this beautiful school, this earth was down here. And as I started getting a little closer, I started getting, I'm in deep trance, but I started feeling all these emotional hurts and pains. And my guide stopped me for a minute. And he said, he said, Regan, are you sure you want to go back and do this work that you're going to be doing? And <laughs> I'm in this deep state of trance, but I said, F yes. <laughs> You know, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just said the effort, but I was so excited about this work. And he said, look, Regan, if you're going to do this work for us, there's four things that you have to do or your physical body will get sick and you're going to die. And I, I went, oh, OK, OK, tell me what these four things are. And one thing he said is that as you awake in the morning, 
um, do some sort of spiritual exercise. And then I heard a prayer in my mind that I remembered that he was giving me. And it was, as I wake up, it's bless this day and those that I serve as I keep one foot in heaven and one foot planted firmly on earth to accomplish my mission of being kind at any cost. Because what I found out when I was before the council, when, and when I was there, as I said, well, you know, what's my mission? And they said, you decided to be born, Regan, uh, to learn kindness. That was my, you know, my, I'm 72 right now. And I've been learning that my whole life. Oh boy, it was a big lesson for me coming up to be kind. Uh, and so, and then um, on this council I had, there was four people there. The, the one that was talking to me was a Chinese looking gentleman. He said his name was Late C, Late C. And uh, his eyes, his eyes, when they smile at you, you just feel this love, this, it was just beautiful. And uh, next to him was a woman uh, elder there and she had a hood on. She took it back, very beautiful, uh, Kari Daka, I think she said her name was or something. And she said, Regan, I'm really proud of you because you're you're doing you're doing really good in your mission. And I remember standing before them and feeling so good that yeah, I'm kind of I'm I, I know I am. I'm doing pretty good at being kind, you know. And also, the second thing that I found out did, you know, that I came down to work on was balancing my male and female energy that I have. Because what we found out is that when we're born, we're born. Um, you know, we're both masculine and feminine within our bodies, but one is more predominant, which makes us either, you know, male or female. But um, the problem that we have in this earth is that we don't nurture that, that, uh, that second side of ourselves, that feminine side of ourselves. And um, I'd had a, 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 you know, could go on a, <clears throat> on a whole uh, hour program talking to you how I came to this realization. It was miracle after miracle after miracle that I found out that I had not, I had not, um, paid any attention to the feminine part of my, myself. Um, right as I had that realization, two days later, I met a, a, a woman at clown school <laughs> who became my second wife who had four daughters. So for 10 years, I was immersed with five women all day long in my life. And um, uh, it changed my personality. I became very feminized by being with these five women <laughs> for 10 years. Um, and it was a beautiful feeling because I, I began to allow myself to cry, to be more emotional. I became a better listener. You know, all the things that are usually women's traits and they, I adopted them. So I became very balanced. So when I'm on the other side, Carrie Daka says, Regan, you're doing really good in that department too. And I went, yes, you know, good. I'm doing good, you know. So um, yeah, we, we, it's, um, you know, what's, what I find interesting and what made this experience so real to me is that physics is different in heaven. It's not, it's not, I found out that my true essence is a ball of energy. You know, when I have people uh, hold up a mirror to themselves when they're on the other side and I say, what do you look like? And they describe themselves as this beautiful, different colors of energy. And um, a lot of people on the other side, they, they, the guides will appear to them uh, sometimes purely physical. Sometimes they see them as kind of half and half where they're this glowing, beautiful energy, but they just see they kind of morph in and out of, uh, of physicalness. And sometimes I've had people say, well, I know it's my guide. And I'll say, what does he look like? And they're just describing this beautiful purple and blue and yellows and this, that. But when they're in, in a deep state of trance, they recognize that guide as soul. You know, um, One of the things in this process that everybody gets to do so far 
uh, all but just a few have been able allowed to do, have been allowed to do this. They want to speak to their soul group, or they want to see their soul group. And these are souls that you're really close to in heaven, with the billions and trillions and whatever souls there are there. But there's a number of them that are they're like an acting troupe. Then uh, they're people that you you know regularly incarnate with. Um, and um, when they're there, and I'll say, well, is you know, the mom's passed on. I said, you see, let's see if we can have a conversation with your mom who is, you know, passed from earth, but is in heaven now. And they'll, they'll, they'll look around like, oh, there's my mom. And I'll say, well, I want you to kind of walk or float, however you're doing this over to her, have a conversation with her and then let me know when you're done. And um, uh, I've had the most, um, you know, some uh, very tearful reunions with people, you know, that uh, have lost loved ones that they love. And like when I was there, I saw my father my mom and my brother, all of that had passed away. Um, and it was so natural over there. It was just like you're in a house and your dad's walking by. Hey, dad, how you doing? You're doing fine, you know? And then I was on, there's my mom smiling at me and my brother. Um, and um, uh, it's, there's just something that's so comforting about that. And you realize, yeah, there, there is a heaven that people that you lost, you haven't really lost them. You're gonna be together with them when you, you know, when you pass on, you know? So, um, um, had one really interesting case where a woman came home and her husband had hung himself uh, and um, she couldn't function. You know, it, 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 it hurt her so bad. Uh, she went to her therapist. Her therapist knew the work that I did. And he said, we used to see Regan. He says, um, he might be able to allow you to get a conversation with him. And so she came, she didn't even, she was a spiritual person, but didn't have really a, a really particular religion she had, but she went quickly uh, in, in really deep state, it took us a little while to, um, to find him. Like we would be in one place in heaven where say, we're looking for a husband. They would point us another direction. Finally, a guide showed up and this guide said, yes, you can speak with him, but only for a little bit. So all of a sudden there was her husband and oh, this woman, I, I was crying along with her. She was just crying in tears and just saying, oh, my love, my love. And, um, he told her why he did it, what didn't have anything to do with her, that it was something from his childhood uh, that he just, in a, in a bad moment, he couldn't deal with anymore. And um, <clears throat> he had hung himself in a way that it couldn't be reversed. He couldn't change his mind once he started the process. You know, he was so sorry. And he said, look, I'm so sorry, I blew it. Um, he says, look, I'm hoping we get to be together again up here or maybe in another lifetime or something. And um, uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, all of a sudden, her her husband on the other side says, oh, um, my guide's here right now. I have to go. And he said, I'm scared. And um, she says, why? Why are you scared? Where, where's this angel or guide taking you? He says, they're going to take me and show me what my life could have been like if I hadn't committed suicide. Whoa, that was deep. You know, it's like he wasn't being punished. He's not like they weren't over there going to throw him in hell or anything for what he did but they were going to try to teach him to not take the easy way out, you know, what he thought to be the easy way out. Um, <clears throat> you know, let me ask you, just, uh, just let, let love me, over there. Let, let me ask you this. Uh, a very long time ago, um, um, I um, suppose have went to a, suppose I went to a job interview. Uh, um, I didn't get the job, but you know, out of, I don't know, there was like a spiritual connection with someone I did not know. 
And at that time, I was wearing a navy blue suit, you know, at the time. But this lady came to me and said, uh, I lost everything I have. I have no money. I need to get back home. And I was at this bus station. So I thought, you know, so I thought, I don't know if I was actually at the bus station, you, you know, or not. And I don't, and never met this person. You know, but I poured so much love, you know, into her that it just really changed her, just really changed her perspective, you know, on life. Um, you know, when she came to me, she was not, she was not a Christian, but when she left, she became one. Yeah. <clears throat> one, and one of the things, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things I, you know, you know, mentioned was, she was like, what I've meant to everyone, you know, and I can't, you know, no one would, you know, pour into me, you know, things of that nature. And uh, I remember her giving her $10. I remember giving uh -huh. her $10, you know, and the voice says, go back to everyone that you have asked money for and they will give to you. Go back to everyone that you have asked and they will pour into you. Don't be afraid. Be bold and ask for Ooh, what you wow. Bold and ask for what you need. You know, and she did. You, you know, she did. She got, she got whatever she needed and I never saw her again. Wow. Isn't that interesting how one interaction, like someone could have had an interaction with you, who's this, or someone like ships meeting in the night, you know, and there's just some little action and it causes you to go in a different path, you know, these uh, miracles. When I was in um, with my wife, uh, they had another uh, missionary that came through was talking about God sightings. He called them God sightings. And, um, you know, these times when God is appearing anonymously through other people or little miracles that they have. And I have found out I've had <clears throat> dozens of those. Uh, some of them I wrote in my book, Three Hours, 33 Minutes in Heaven. It, it talks about my life and the different things I have and how at these moments when something like what you're talking about would happen, how it would shift me. And, and I would just go in a little different direction that would lead me to the next place, you know. Is that what happened? Is that what happened to me? I think so. You know, it, it definitely you're, you have an open heart. Uh, and that's, see, the, the angels on the other side, what they say is everybody has a guardian angel like, but they can't interfere with us in a way. They, they kind of whisper things to us, like sometimes our intuition will get an idea or something. Sometimes that's them whispering to us in a way, you know? But once we realize that we do have a guide and I'm just doing this uh, as a demonstration, like it's like what I do, I just kind of look up because we all think of, you know, that they're up there somewhere. And I'll just say, uh, okay, uh, Rebazar, um, I got this difficult thing I'm doing today. Sure, could use you by my side, you know, just kind of, just acknowledging that they're there and they say once we acknowledge that that you know god has given us a helper to kind of assist us uh then um it's like things become to be more open we're more open to these little miracles that happen sometimes so many like the guides on the other side say you us human beings we miss 90 percent of the miracles that are sent our way because we're we're looking like this instead of being more open 
you know, and looking at a you know wider wider thing. So uh, I've led my life by um, this uh, divine inner guidance. There's a book out there called um, Divine Divine Guidance: uh, A Birthright, something like that. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think what it's called. But this this woman talks about how all through her life God has shown up, and she's begun to listen to that. So she knows when one of these little miracles that happens, she goes, "Okay, I'm listening." What's this miracle about? And all of a sudden it would take her life in this new, better, positive, beautiful direction in you know, that way. So we're all open to that. So it sounds like you got the you got the the wall between here and the other sides kind of crack and open for you. And these things are starting to happen. So um yeah, you you'd be the perfect candidate to do one of these uh, sessions, you know. Well, now, there's, there was also another instance to where um there was there was another there was another instance to where I, you know, found myself at a church and there was, uh, there was a lady with two children uh, and she was contemplating whether or not she should go in this church because we know in a, because we know in a lot of churches. So you have a lot of churches that um, unfortunately uh they don't show love and they don't show, you know, kindness. Yeah. They are kind of judgmental. Yeah. So in this vision, this lady with two children and she was pregnant with a third was contemplating whether or not she should go in this church. You know, and just like the angels, they're, you know, flying around. Um, I find myself in that same state. Mm hmm you know, you know, of, you know, of, you know, of flying around going to this church and I was given this assignment, you know, you know, to tell this lady, you know, you know, to give her a word of encouragement and that the church that she is going to, uh, they're loving, they're kind, you know, they, they will accept you. So don't be afraid, open up the door and go, wow. in. you know, wow. and, you know, and go in. You know, and as you know, and I watched the whole time, you know, you know, she walked in, you know, she walked in the church, everybody was loving, they was accepting, you know, they was kind, you know, just as I have, you know, just as I have, you know, told her. And I thought that was kind of, you know, something that, you know, um, just unexplainable, you know, you know, why would I be a part of that bitch? Mm -hmm. So what we found out in the research is we're all down here to be co-workers with God in a sense. So we all we all have a mission. Sometimes it's just um, um, sometimes it's just learning patience or kindness or compassion or, you know, how to deal with adversity, you know, that toughens us up as souls. Um, and the, the ultimate goal is to be like when when my people are interacting with people on the other side these are people that have kind of graduated in other words they've had lifetimes they've they've been in heaven and they've reached a certain mature uh, spiritual maturity and then um like we found out in heaven there's a, there's a zillion jobs that souls can have when you get to heaven you don't just get up there like the same play harps or or sit around and play you know cards all day you know or something there's always um some uh job that you can take uh, that will help bring up those beneath you that haven't reached that the certain level of spirituality. So it's like when we pass on, it's just it's just doing more work over there 
and because we've learned more about life uh, that way. Now, the one thing that's, that with some of my Christian friends uh, that have done this and, and clients, um, the way that we, the, the, in the process that we use to get to the afterlife, we're trying to access uh, their soul memories, you know, things that have happened to them since God created them. And the easiest way we found to do that is when they're in a deep state, we will um, we'll have them go, you know, people, when they've had near-death experiences, talk about the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. We've all heard that before. So we use that, uh, we use that scenario where they're in a deep state. Um, we have them wherever they're at in this blackness or, you know, people sometimes call it this space above the earth or something. There's a tunnel that appears and we just, we just have them go into the tunnel. Uh, we have them float down a count from 10 down to one going towards the light. And then I say, okay, when you get, when we get to one, when you're at the end of the tunnel now, you'll be standing at another time in another place when you were having another soul experience. And they get down there, boom, and all of a sudden they're in this other place. And I'll say, okay, just because we have to watch out not to lead them and put ideas in their head. So this is where it comes from them. We'll just ask open-ended questions like this place you find yourself in now is it daytime or nighttime? And they'll look around and say, oh, it's, it's daytime. And I'll say, look around you. What is the, what does the area look like? Look down at your feet. What are you wearing on your, you know, what's on, on your feet? Put your hands out in front of you. You know, are these the hands of a male or female or a young person, old person, whatever. And they find themselves in a, in a, in an experience that they were having as another soul. I mean, they're the same soul, but just in another body at another time in their life or, or a past life. And, um, they, they go through, we, we go to three or four things over there. We found out there's no time or space on the other side. So when they're in this, having this experience, we can say, okay, now one, two, three, you're back as a child. You're in your home where you were having a meal with your folks. Tell me who's there. And they'll describe, you know, the situation. Well, anyway, they get to their death scene and um, this can get a little spooky sometimes, but we have a way so they don't re-traumatize themselves from how they died before um, because so many ways we've died in the past. Uh, but anyway, they see themselves um, pass away without being re-traumatized. They feel their soul leave their body. And then we say, okay, now what happens next? And that's when they turn around, there's a guide, there's relatives that have passed on, or somebody's always there. We found out that we never, nobody dies alone. When, when you pass on, there's always some benevolent you know soul or being guide angel uh, whoever you know shows up that will be there to escort you back home because there seems to be this little little you know like the uh, little space between when you pass away and your soul's left your body and you go back home again um so um uh like for me uh, when i had my experience all of a sudden i'm on this white horse I'm dressed in this Roman garb, like I can tell I'm like a, a major or a colonel or a general or something like this. And I'm going up and down this robes and I'm uh, and there's people dying on crosses. And uh, oh my gosh, me as Regan, realizing this is happening, I started bawling like a baby, like, God, I would never do something like that, you know? Uh, and, um, and, but it was so real. I mean, I can still feel this, my legs spread with this horse as I'm galloping down here, doing my job, you know, it's like, this is Caesar's work. I'm just doing his work, you know, killing these people. And, uh, but on my deathbed, then I went to my death scene. I was, um, 
I was on this like a high table. My daughter had, I can still see her. She had this long brown hair going down to her waist. She looked like she's in her thirties or something. And she's holding my hand. And I realized as I was dying, the horrible things that I had done. And I swore on my deathbed. I remember that saying that I was so angry with Caesar. And I said, I will never ever again do something just because somebody tells me to do it when I know it's wrong to do. And then, and then I passed on. So my, my life's lesson in that time, in that thing was to, to um, you know, like I, I think of that sometimes now with the Russian soldiers and that are going over there for Putin, you know, trying to kill the Ukrainians, you know, they're just blindly going in there, going in there, killing all these innocent people because somebody told them to do it. Well, luckily some of those soldiers over there have said, no, I'm not doing it you know, and they've deserted or they've refused to go or they've left the country, you know, because they were spiritually aware enough that, hey, just because some guy says I'm supposed to go do this horrendous, horrible thing, I'm not going to do it. Other people go like sheep, you know, uh, that do that. So they had learned their lessons. So um, uh, all these 70,000 people have gone to some sort of past life, seen themselves pass away and go there. So what, what I found out and my take on reincarnation is that there's two sides to it. If you look at it as we're born in heaven, we only have one life. You know, we've, when God created us, we've been the same soul, the same thing ever since God created us in heaven. And all we do is choose these different experiences to embody some of our spiritual self into a human body or another dimension or something as we have experience. And then when we're done, we go back home. So we just live one time, but it's like an actor that does all bunch of these different plays. And in these different plays, they play different characters and they learn different things and, and, and things like that. So in a sense, yeah, we're just born once, you know? So, but if you look at it in a perspective that, that uh, soul is created uh, at, the, at birth in the, in the fetus, uh, you know, <clears throat> then it's like, you know, we die and we go back, we come back, we come back, we come back, you know? So, I mean, we, like I say, we're not, we're not, we're religion neutral. We're just saying this is what seems to happen. Um, and there's so much, matter of fact, you know, a good person, to, if, if people want to discuss this and they want to agree or disagree or whatever, or just to try to find out what the truth is, the University of Virginia right now has spent, they have a, a, a whole section that's for almost 50 years now has been studying reincarnation. They have a whole team of people. And they don't do it through hypnosis or anything. They do it through children who remember being born before. And they have uh, several thousand cases now where they've interviewed children. You know, like someone will get a hold of the university and they'll say, my, my son is telling me that, you know, he, when he was big before he did this or, you know, was saying, you know, um, uh, something. So they go interview these little children they get all the facts that they can, and then they send a team out to try to see if they can find out, did that person who the child is saying ever exist? And they've documented now uh, just hundreds and hundreds of cases. Um, and they just, a book just came out, it's called Before by Jim Tucker. And it's about all these case histories, which are very, very interesting. You know, so um, the Monroe Institute, the Newton Institute, which I'm with right now, you know, we're all, and uh, Dolores Cannon's, uh, probably 100,000, she has 3,000 people she's trained now to do, um, you know, the work, it's similar to Michael Newton's, although they don't go as deep as we go. We, we pretty much have more bells and whistles or something, but, but the, it's called quantum healing hypnosis technique. 
And they have thousands of cases now where they've had people get physical healings from their ailments by going to the other side and coming back. So there's a lot out there right now. So um, all I know is what I found out that heaven is real. um, Jesus is real. You know, it's, it's, it's a little different interpretation that you get about Jesus than, than the normal Christianity, but it's with the Jesus we found on the other side, it's just 100% about love, kindness, and compassion. And, you know, his goal was to uplift people so that they could come back home again, you know, so they could learn what their missions are, like what you're doing and come back home. But a lot of my clients will ask the, the council when they're on the other side, they'll say, look, I'm here right now. Tell me what's the one true religion? What's the one I should be following? so that I can kind of stay in this mode again. And what they've kind of told people, my clients is, you're gonna, you will find the religion that's right for you at your development of, of your um, spirituality, you know, of your involvement of soul. So if you, find, um, if you find an affinity with Jesus, then that's exactly where you should be because that means where you need to be to like what you're doing right now, uh, Keith. And that's, in in jesus in that in that jesus energy that you have and that love that comes from you and the kindness and the things that you do are inspired to say to people is exactly you're exactly where you need to be right now if you weren't you would be doing something else so you know um that's that's the kind of the take we get over there and they'll say what spiritual practice can i do to stay closest to the other side 100 percent so far they say meditation or deep prayer you know they say that that when you meditate, the physical body gets to that gets to that state where um, it allows you to access information easier from the other side. Um, and so, you know, meditation used to be. I think 30 years ago, it was still everybody thought it was. Oh, they do that in India. The Buddhists do it. So it's not. This isn't a Christian thing to do. And I would say to them, okay, then does that mean you shouldn't, the monks should have, the monks shouldn't have done what they did? Does that mean that St. Teresa and all these people that got into this deep prayer and had these spiritual experiences, they shouldn't be doing, because it's just another, you know, it's this, this, you know, we would say deep prayer, what they would say meditation, you know, it's just getting yourself to where your heart is open, where you're allowing this, you're yes, allowing God exactly to come speak what, to. Uh, right. That's exactly what. <clears throat> That's exactly what, uh, you know, meditation is. And the Bible talks about that, you know, a whole lot that we should be in prayer, you know, in meditation because that's our one. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's our one, you know, that's our connection to, that's our connection to, you know, to God. And in Jeremiah talks about being in the, you know, you have several passages in Jeremiah and Psalms, you know, they talk about, uh, being in the David and Jeremiah talks about being in the council. Yeah, you know, being the council, you know, God, and we we'll say, well, what's what's the council? You know, you know, God. So, we, you know, we will have a conversation about that. What exactly would they mean about being in the council, of God? So, we uh, in a future broadcast, you know, we will talk about what yeah. does it means to be in the full council. You, you know, God, because it's not, it's not as what people uh, think it is. It's yeah. so important that we do, you know, it's so important that we be, you know, in the presence of the council, 
because that's where we get our direction. That's where we get our correction. That's where we get encouragement. Um, oh, so yes. I definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Oh, it's, I remember uh, everybody that goes for the council, they're never, uh, my experience of my clients is, is that they, they always get loving. Um, it's always loving and kind. And uh, it's like people that know you really, really well, who want only the best for you, that can see your flaws and everything. And they don't, they don't, you know, you we're going to punish you, boom, boom. It's all like, we're here to help you. And we can tell you there's some things you need to do. If you don't do them, your life's going to be kind of a mess, but it's your choice. But if you do this and this and this, you know, they're just like really good life coaches, you know, I would say, that really care about you, that are very wise. You know, I guess in, in the, it, it, it's not so much... Uh, and for the Catholics, they have the saints, you know, saints, all these different saints running around that are spiritually evolved human beings or souls, you know, and they sometimes pray to them or something. And, and there's some Christian beliefs that say, no, you just pray directly to God. Well, you know, God has just, in a sense, hired these people to help, you know, like so that they can they can uplift themselves and become more loving by being helpers, by giving love, just exactly what you're doing, Keith. When you had that woman in the church, you know, you're coming from your heart. I mean, just think just that little thing that you did, you know, how that could shift her a little bit to be a, a little bit more, uh, you know, to put her in a place where she could be fed with love and where she could grow in their love for God. You know, um, here's one thing that's interesting now, too, because when people on the other side say, well, where's God? You know, <laughs> I wanna say, I'm here now. Let me let me see him right face to face. Here's what most of them say. They say, it's almost like you say, where's God? And they go, you know. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's he's so big. So everything He's not like just you can say, hey, like, hey, Bill, come here. Hey, God, come here. You know, they it's just that on this place that they've opened up to us to kind of experience a little bit of heaven over there. They say that they feel the presence much more strongly than when they were in the physical body. But God is so immense and so big that even in these parts of heaven, he's just, you know, you can't just, they can't just, uh, now Jesus is, you know, is a representative of God there. Yes. Um, other spiritual, actually, uh, I'll finish with this one. I guess we're about done, huh? Because we, yes. we, we, we do an hour already. Uh yeah, it's like an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It seems like 10 minutes, you know. But don't you feel that, Keith? Like when you're talking about God, when you're talking about spiritual stuff, you're talking about Jesus in that way, there's no time. I mean, it could time. It just because you're in the moment, you know, you're in this like absolutely spiritual and, time. And and time sometimes, some, sometimes, you know, it can be like a small. Sometimes it can be like a small window of time. You know, mm -hmm. when you go outside of time and space, mm -hmm. it seems like it's a long time, but really, really, you know, really or not, it, it just seems like a long time, but really, you know, it's not because, you know, you know, once we go into a place that is outside of this, you know, you know, physical realm, mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's like, you know, <clears throat> you don't think about time. You know, no, you time is just, just the time is just like out the window. Yeah, it's like one of my clients when they one thing I ask my clients when they come out, it says, "How long do you think you were in trance?" You know, and this one that I had in, when I was in Los Angeles doing a session, she goes, "Oh, 
an hour? And I go, how about five hours? She just like, oh my God, was she looked and it was dark outside already because the whole afternoon had gone. She thought it was like an hour, but it, this was one of my longer sessions where she was like in trance for, for five hours. I was like totally spent at that time by having to have this concentration and keep her focused and keep myself in that space for five hours straight, you know? And, but to her, it seemed like an hour, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, well, then, then um, if people um, want to uh, read my book, um, it's, uh, it's just called Three Hours, 33 Minutes in Heaven. It's available on Amazon and a whole bunch of other places. Um, that kind of gives my life, you know, life history, life story about, you know, and, and, and it's word for word about what happened when I was on the other side for that, that time. Um, and uh, it's about the 12 things that I learned in that three hours. 12 things that I learned about God and about myself that have um, uh, got me on this path, just like you, Keith, just like we're just this, the same warriors, you know, here, just, you know, down, just spreading the word. Maybe and I was we're wondering, spreading it. And, yeah, I, and I was wondering, because, uh, you know, was, uh, in the 20 years that I have been in ministry, and even before, you know, I was actually called into the ministry, you know, yeah. you know, I had these type of experience, and I thought to myself, isn't it about time that I've, you know, written these things down in a book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not as hard as you think. Um, I had never written a book before, but when I was down in Mexico uh, for the almost two years, um, <clears throat> how that, I'll tell you how quick, how that happened quickly. I was at a, uh, at a function and a friend of mine knew that his friend had PTSD. So he introduced me to him. And the, the guy says, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll trade you. You come down in Mexico and do therapy for me, and I'll let you stay in my beach house while you're doing that. So I thought, oh, cool, because I was in L.A., and I just so I thought this will be an adventure, and I can help this man. So I moved in there, and uh, in two years, he only wanted two 15-minute sessions. And the rest of the time, I was going, okay, what do I do now? So I said, I always wanted to write a book, but I never did. And I says, well, I've got time now. You know, uh, and I'd started getting some Social Security checks. So in Mexico, you could, you know, live on 900 bucks a month, you know. So um, I just sat down and started writing. And it just once you get into it, there's it's almost like a divine guidance that comes in and you just find yourself doing all this. You know, uh, the first book I wrote is I Am Soul Confessions of a Clown. And uh, it was about my experiences of the uh, addictions I'd been through and the different things and how God had helped me through them. And you know, how, how my life was uh, through that, but I was a professional clown in a while, you know, so it's like, here's this naughty clown, you know, learning to love, you know, kind of thing. Um, and it just, it, it's, you'll, I think you'll find it if you start to write that, um, even if only a few people even read it, doesn't matter. It's like part of you that's coming out that will help you really, really see where you've been and how far you've come in your spiritual walk. And it'll just um, motivate you to just dive in even deeper, you know, because uh, you'll be surprised at the things and the memories and things that come up of when you find this guidance, like you talked about. And your experiences that you talked about would really help a lot of people. They'll say, well, if Keith can have that experience, maybe I can get myself to the place where I can be open enough to actually feel this guidance, you know. Uh, a lot of people get the guidance and they'll talk about miracles, but they, they go, oh, that was just a coincidence. And, you know, as you and I know, when some of these things happen, it's not a coincidence, you know, 
it's uh, it's God working through us in a way because we have open hearts and, um, you know, we want to do this. So, yeah, I, you know, if I come back again, we can talk about um, uh, what happens when people for the council. There's a place of rejuvenation that everybody gets to go to if they request it, which is a place where you people just feel themselves being their their spiritual body or whatever being healed sometimes they don't want to leave because it feels so beautiful where they're at um there's a place of recreation in heaven where you can see what people uh, some of my clients have experienced what they do for fun <laughs> up there uh there's there's um temples of, of of golden wisdom up there there's like i've been to where they inspired me to write music and things um so and, is, there, uh, is there like an actual place to where is there an actual place to where, because uh, I, I remember, um, you know, I remember in the, the first trip to heaven that I, ever, that I would have, a, you know, take, and I had this person, this guy, you know, that was taking me, you know, throughout the various parts of heaven. And one of the places I went to, you know, was this room where I saw a whole bunch of jars. Jars? Yes, jars. And I was like, well, what's okay. in these? And I was like, well, what's in these jars? You know, and my guy said that these are tears. They're oh, tears? Yeah. Oh, they're they're prayers. Wow. They're they're wow. prayers, right? They're prayers, they are they're prayers, they're ready to be they're prayers that are ready to be released unto unto the Lord. And wow. it was just a big room with nothing but jars. Wow, wow. That's a good, that, what a great, whether it was physical or metaphorical or whatever it was, it was just showing you the power of prayers, you know, people's prayers, like they're, they're getting ready to be open to be heard, you know. Wow. Right. That's pretty cool. Right. And uh, they, they, they were sealed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some have more droplets, you, you know, than others, but, mm -hmm. you know, every one of these jars have. You know, droplets, and I'm like, "What's this?" You know, and you know, he was saying that, "Oh, oh these are the prayers of the people. They're about to be, they're about to be released." Wow. That's, so these are uh, prayers. So these are prayers that actually. So these are the prayers that that have actually, you know, reached heaven. Yeah. And they're getting ready to be, you know, released, you know, to God. Yeah. And so this, this is so this room that I, you know, that was at, uh, this is where there was stored. And yeah. at some point in time, those prayers, you know, are going to be released, you know, to Him. But these are prayers that have actually been, you know, released, you know, that actually made it to heaven. Did that did that happen when in a dream state, or did that happen when you were praying, uh, like a vision, or how how did that happen? Um, I'm I, I'm not sure if it was, I'm you know I'm not sure if it was uh, I'm not sure if it was a a vision or a dream. Um, mm. Only thing mm -hmm. I remember was is that I was in. You know, I was in a church service and the presence of God was so mightily, you know, that pretty much that, you know, everyone, you know, was there, had entered into, 
a you know a spiritual you know uh, state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll find if you're in a in church, and if you, if so many people in there are in that are opening their hearts, that energy becomes like a ball of spiritual energy combined together that gives it like like more power. You know, yes. it opens up even there. Yeah, um, that's why it says you after that experience, I mean, you know, my face was, you know, so glowing, you know, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you know, they said in heaven, you know, for example, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the sun would no longer exist because, you know, God's presence was served as light. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we in that case, that. that's the kind of light that was on my face and it was so prominent. Yeah, you know, in my face that some people did not want to be around. Yes, some people. Yes, you're going to find out. And that's that's the thing is, is sometimes pos even positive people that come in a room and they're so positive and they have this positive energy like that. And some people will go, oh, oh, oh because they can't. They're, one they're person, not at that level. Yet. Yeah, because because even, you know, even today, you know, you know, I, I know that I'm going through a lot of diversity you know, right now, but for some odd reason, you know, I had this overwhelming, uh, you know, smile that just unexplainable, <laughs> you know, and I had a lot of people, you know, why do you smile a lot? <laughs> you know, and I know that I'm going through diversity. I know I'm going through trials. Yeah. I'm going through, <laughs> you know, I'm going through tests. But that, that's something that I cannot even explain myself. You know, I'm going through all this hell and high water. Why do I continue to smile? <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I cannot even explain that yeah. myself. But doesn't that inside give you some solace? Give you some, uh, make, doesn't that feel good? That you, you know, here you are going through all this stuff and you're, you're, you're smiling. And that's what God wants us to do. You know, he wants us to go through adversity and everything with love and with, you know, in other words, these things are happening to you. But when you when you have a bigger picture of what the whole thing's about, you can kind of go through it in, in smiling, you know, in a way. And that's what I've learned, too, that the more spiritual a person becomes, they still have uh, trials and tribulations that they go through, but they get through it with a lot less damage to their physical self and emotions because they know there's a reason somehow for it. You know, when when I've had people there on the other side, they say, "Why did I have to go through this horrible, horrible thing?" And then all of a sudden, they realize that they signed up for it before they came down here because it had to do with their spiritual growth. I. I give the analogy of like, it's like a person that signs up for a, a course in college. They know that this course, they go, oh, it's going to be kind of hard, but I got to take it to get my degree so I can get on with my life. So they get in college and they're in the middle of this course and they're just going, what the hell am I doing? You know, why did I pick this course? It's so hard. I don't, I can't stand it. This is so hard. They, but they, they, they persevere, they get through it. And when they get on, when they get their degree, they go, whew, man, am I so glad I went through that diversity you know, to get here. It's kind of similar with life. You know, it's like we signed up to go through some difficulties sometimes. Well, look at Job in the Bible. Oh, oh boy. You know, he had, you know, he lost everything and then he got it. And then in a sense, he lost everything to gain everything, you know, and he did it with, you know, even though he's going through all this uh, diversity, he just still praised God, you know, okay. Well, and was, I've lost was this. Actually, uh, so Job was actually 
you know, Job was actually handpicked by, you know, God to, mm-hmm. you know, to show his, you know, grace and goodness and things of that nature. What a lot of people don't realize, you know, um, a lot of people give Satan, the devil, who you want to call him, you know, all this enormous power. They, they, you know, they, in a way, they magnify, they lift them up. And I was like, listen, devil does not have any power because there are certain things the devil cannot do. He has to get permission from God to actually do it. If you read in Job, you know, there was things that the devil wanted to do. And God said, well, no, you can't do it unless I give you, you know, permission. You know, going into the New Testament, you know, when uh, Jesus was handed over to, you know, the Romans, you know, Pilate says, uh, don't you know that I have the power to let you live or crucify you, you know, or kill you? And Jesus was like, you have no power over me unless the, unless the one up above give it to you. Mm-hmm. So we need to stop, we need to stop, you know, and I get on people about that all the time, you know, because you're opening yourself up for more harm, you know, than good, then then we when we continue to, you know, lift up the devil, we continue to lift up ourselves. It's not even a, you know, you know, it's not about that. He has no power unless we give it to him. Yeah. That's that's actually true. It's like fear. Mm-hmm. People that's that's fear why the Bible says they... to give, you know, to flee for him, give him no room, you know, in your life. Because once you yeah. give him room, you know, in your life, you have given him the power to basically, you know, uh, overwhelm your life. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, that's, you know, besides that, he really does not have any power, you know, unless number one, we give it to him. And number two, if God allows him. So there, there are, there are, so you just heard two examples of that. Uh, one from Joe, you know, which is, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the one that people normally go to. And then you have Jesus himself during his earthly mission. You know, he was like, you know, you have no power over me, you know, unless the one above give it to him. You know, and here in Job, you know, Job was, you know, in Job, God was saying to Satan, I mean, you really don't have any power unless I, you know, give you permission. So in certain things, God actually gave, uh, God actually gave the devil permission you know, to do certain things, like, for example, okay, you can, you know, you can cause him to be sick, you know, you, you know, you know, you can, uh, you know, give him an illness, but don't kill him. So Satan was not authorized to kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the second time, the first time, I said, okay, you know, you can take his stuff, but don't touch his body. And then there was in one instance, it's like, okay, you can touch his body, but but you can't have his soul. And so that that demonstrates to us, you know, that the devil really doesn't have the power that people think that he has. Yeah. And I think, like even with Job, um, when all was said and done, and he went through all those things, if you were sitting down with Job and say, okay, are you closer to God now? that you went through all these things or before and he would say now you know that going through all those things did nothing i mean what they did was strengthen his connection with god 
that you know made him a better person and and more loving and more compassionate and everything you know right. so you know when we go through difficult things we want to some people want to curse god and all that but then that's the thing that i love about this process this life between lives process is that people find out that they kind of signed up for this uh, the, the trials and tribulations they're going through uh, sometimes not all of it they signed up but because of free will and they came down here with a plan and sometimes they go awry a little bit which causes them more you know <clears throat> more issues and pain but generally speaking um you know we came down here not just to be on vacation we came down here to get down in the trenches and learn you know my big my big saying is uh that kindness is love with work boots on you know <clears throat> in other words uh it takes effort to be kind you know it takes you to go out of your way to do you know to to be kind sometimes and um uh you know it's it's it's, it's a learning process you know i know with me with the kindness which i'm working on still to this day uh you know i had to i had to uh, teach myself in a sense and and work on it to be kind but once you start working on it and you do it for what's almost like faking it till you make it you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and pretty soon you find yourself being kind without even thinking it you just automatically open the door for somebody or you see a piece of trash on the ground that's not yours and you reach up and pick it in put it in for somebody else even little things like that you don't even think about it you just do kind things you know so it's that's how we learned in hypnotherapy about retraining the, the mind is that and how the subconscious uh <clears throat> is kind of it feels like a set in concrete that we're going to react the same way all the time to certain circumstances well if you want to change it you just change your behavior purposefully for a little while and then pretty soon the subconscious goes oh that's what we're doing now oh, oh okay yeah i guess i don't need to be the way i was being before and all of a sudden then you know we got we're on board with our whole self, our subconscious and our conscious mind, rather than one fighting the other, in a sense, you know. Um, <clears throat> so much I learned, and I've learned in the 15 years I've been doing this now, uh, about the mind and how it works and and um, how it's programmable. You know, right now, you know, you and I are talking uh, from a, a viewpoint of everything that we've allowed to come in, we've taken in as truth. Um, and sometimes we take in things that are truths that are from our parents or from, uh, outside sources and our mind hears that and we go oh yeah that's how I believe you know and so it goes in is is what we believe but I think that what God wants us to do is to always have an open door in other words there's all this information sure some of it we're not going to like some of us doesn't fit us but if we don't have that door open we're not going to find the things that we need to get us to that next step because we're always like <clears throat> you know right now the way you feel about God and everything when you were 12 years old you're a different person now because you've learned and grown and all these experiences. So you're, you, you're a different person. And hopefully this time next year, if it's a year from now, even if we talk, you're not going to be the same person you are now because you're going to learn and your heart's open. You're going to know so many more things. And me too, even with all this that I do, the more I get frustrated because it's like, we still only scratch the surface. The God is so huge and so big. So I just say, God, just send me everything and let me discern what's what i need you know and what i need might be different than what you need but at least at least i'm open to kind of looking at the curriculum and going hmm, not ready for that not ready for that oh that's a bunch of bull wow that's really rings true and then boom you know now i've added 
I've added more to my bottom line of, uh, of love, you know, spirituality. So anyway, yeah, there's so much to talk about. So if you want to uh, talk about this further, or if you read my book and it brings up some questions in that, um, I'll be happy to tell you from a researcher's standpoint, what, you know, what we found, you know, the 250 of us doing these 70,000 sessions, you know, um, and um, if you, if anybody out there wants to have a session or just wants to find more about it, uh, can I uh, give my uh, website? It's got the videos and everything on it. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, okay. <clears throat> it's called visittheafterlife.com. Visit the afterlife, all spelled out. Of course, visit theafterlife.com. There's some videos on there. There's even a session on there of a young lady going through this process, and you can get, you know, get an idea of kind of what happens. Um, but there's um, also, uh, for people that are out there, uh, I have a regular therapy practice that I do too. And I've been doing a lot of it on Zoom lately, so I can do people all over the country. Uh, but I specialize in post-traumatic stress, uh, fears, phobias, um, anything having to do with high anxiety, uh, depression, that sort of thing, um, and addictions. Um, yeah, we and on my definitely need to, uh, you know, we definitely need to... Uh... <laughs> So you mentioned something about phobias, and we definitely need to talk about that because, uh, you know, in today's society, we find, we discovering that, you know, uh, if, for example, if I disagree with you, you know, on something, I get slapped with a label. Yeah. You know, you know I get slapped with a label, uh, and I'm gonna give you an example. If, if, if I say, okay, uh, uh, the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong, you know, and I don't agree with that lifestyle, you know, then people would slap a label. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I was like, okay, you know, we need to define what a phobia, we need to define, you know, what a phobia is. In psychology, phobia, a phobia is an irrational, irrational, an yes. irrational fear. Uh -huh. So if I disagree with you, you know, on something, would that consider to be an irrational fear? No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not considered to be an irrational, you know, fear because when we're talking about an irrational fear, it is is uh, you are manifesting. It's uh, it's a physical manifestation, you know, of of you know of a irrational mental, you know, state. So for example, if there are symptoms that are associated with PTSD, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, right? Uh, there, are there are physical, you know, symptoms that are associated with bipolar depression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and so when we're dealing with, uh, and I'll give you an example, you know, for me, uh, I am tetra. Oops, lost you. <laughs> You're frozen in time. You might need to refresh your browser. <laughs> or maybe our time was up. Or maybe it's me. <laughs> I don't know. I'll give it a minute here and see. Have a drink of water. 
I'll give it a minute. If I, I don't know if you're hearing me or not, Keith. It was great today. I love, uh, I love your uh, the way <laughs> the way you present yourself is great. <clears throat> There's so much more we can talk about. <clears throat> at least <clears throat> we may agree on a lot of things and disagree on other things, but I, it's just um, a matter of you know what we find in this uh, process. <clears throat> And we'll just put it out there and uh, through it all, we can get to the truth. So I'll give it another minute here. And if you don't, if you're not back on, I see it still says recording here. So you're probably trying to figure out what the issue is. If not, I'll hang up and then I'll just, <clears throat> I'll just email you. And we can set up another time if you like, and we can talk about this more. All right, I'm going to. I'm going to check out right now. Have a great day, Keith. Talk to you later. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.